Yes, coming in hot with episode 17 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who did not get a ticket to Tammy Abraham's birthday party. Hence, he's still here, Jobber. How are you, mate? Yeah, great. Sounds like I'm the only one who didn't get a call up. Um, and English English footballers just refuse to stay home. <laughs> they, <laughs> they've got that um, I'm rich and young, I'll do what I want mentality. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think there's nearly enough of it as almost a baby boomer. I just don't see enough entitled young people walking around. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a rare breed, those, those sort, isn't it? No, so look, and I know you have a th- you have a feeling that they should get a good slap because you're of that generation. Um, and we've gone into the international break, um, and the big news for me was Patrice Evra's big breakdown. So he suggested Manchester United players and board may need to get a slap. Not that he's a violent person either. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but that got me thinking, who in world football do you think needs a slap and why? And don't say Arsenal fans straight away. Um, yeah, can I say Ed Woodward based on him needing a slap, A, for the result on the weekend, which I think he's partially responsible for, um, but mainly for appointing um, Ollie Eagle Solskjaer to the main to the main job at Manchester United based on having zero skills, um, zero behaviours aligned with the club ambitions, um, limited coaching badges, Limited experience, but he gets the club. So there you go. He gets appointed. So I think Ed needs a slap for me. Really? What about I, you, mate? Well, I think that's interesting. So I don't. Did you not see Ollie's Cardiff or um, the work he did at Mulder? No. Look, I've gone for another one. Um, I've gone for I've gone for Massimo Allegri, and the reason that I've gone for a slap with him is because how long can you sit out of the game before you're no longer a part of it? He's been he's been he's resigned from Juve, or I think he got the got a bit of a Spanish archer there, but mm. he's been sitting out for so long. At what point does everyone just forget you exist? So I think he needs a slap just to get him moving again, get him going. Well, I I had um, Potch on my list as well to to slap just to come out of the woodwork and and just um st- you know do something like follow the Manchester United Twitter account or something like that just to get people screenshotting and uh, and getting a bit of a buzz around that. Um, that space. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. We had a similar train of thought. Lucky you didn't say that because Poch would bash you. Um, But look, as you said, um, and I know he's listening, so if you're listening, Poch, good on you. Um, Looking forward to seeing you back. But look, um, the other big weekly happening, as you said, was Tammy's birthday. Um, What's going on? Is is England just got no discipline again or is it part of the, you know, English philosophy of the early 1800s where they just think they can go wherever they want? It doesn't matter if countries are already occupied. Like what's the, what's the go with Tammy's birthday? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's starting to be a bit of a theme, isn't it? But um, for those who didn't see it, um, what's happened here is um, a trio. So Sancho. Chilwell um, and Tabby, Tammy Abraham um, were all attending his birthday, um, his 23rd birthday. They had temperature checks at the door and all of the guests were known to Tammy, I'd hope so, um, and most of them were family. But what the problem was is they surpassed the country's rule, rule of six. Um, so they had more than six guests um, and hence all three have been left at home Um and left out of the England squad, even though they initially were selected. So no Tammy Abraham, no Chile, and no Sancho there either. That hurts. Then, 
that does it. Um, and that's that's on, on the back of um, what happened the week before or two weeks before a couple of the England boys were playing up. Oh, they let Not the... Not Phil Foden. Um, Not Phil Foden. Mason Gray. Oh, that's, that's history, mate. Let it go. They they obviously let the, um, the Icelandish girls into their hotel room. So um, the first item of business um, for Harry Kane when the boys reported into camp was to call an emergency team meeting. He calls an emergency team meeting. No managers or staff in attendance, just the players, led by King Ari. And, yeah, he basically sat him down and gave him the um, pull your heads in, lads. So what do you think of that? And if you were in the room, would you fall in line or would you have a, a cheeky uh, cheeky word to Harry there? Um, so that rule of six is very important, actually, if you're a Manchester United fan because on the weekend that was all that stopped us from copping seven. Um, so, look, I would um, – I think I think Harry's right. I think it's it's just such a poor look for the public, and Gareth's coming out and saying, "Oh, look, the country needs to pull together in this disharmony." Manage your squad, Gareth. <laughs> They're the worst defenders. Um, I think I think you'd have to you'd have to kowtow the same way we are now. Like I think most reasonable people will stay at home and do the right thing. Like reasonable and intelligent people will stay home and do the right thing. Um, and these boys just come off as a little spoilt for my liking. So I think yeah, Garrett's got to crack whip. It's, it's, not a, it's not a good look, especially when these guys still have the opportunity to um, apply their trade um, and still travel as well. Um, a lot of these games are um, sort of all around Europe. So, yeah, I agree. It's not the best look. And you'd think that um, he'd have some sort of like you check your phones in the door type set up at his party. Um, <laughs> and that way you could party in, uh, in, like and get everyone to sign. You can't get his everyone No, not the car keys in the bowl. <laughs> get everyone to sign, sign a waiver. And that way, if anything, if a, a photo creeps out, which it did, um, you could just sue him. So. Yeah, I think either Tammy's got to smarten up and not have a party in the middle of a pandemic or um, just lawyer up and, and get a bit smarter, get some more people. Um, you need more people, Tammy, around you. That, that's my tip. Yeah. So, look, let's what move on to something more positive. So um, there's a couple of friendlies this morning and we'll touch on that in a bit, but I know this one's close to your heart. So tell me about what Olivier Giroud has been up to. Yeah, so... I think he gets overlooked a bit, doesn't he? And he's one of those players which I think is just all the time just underrated. He he got left on the bench and left out of the squad a lot when he was Arsenal. Eventually got the move and got pushed on to Chelsea. Had a little run in the team but basically rides the bench at the moment and bringing Werner didn't help that at all. But um, if you look at his trophy cabinet, he's, he's, um, he's won a World Cup. He's won a Europa League title. Um, he's won multiple FA Cups. And on the weekend, oh, sorry, yesterday, sorry, um, he just filled his boots, two goals, um, as, as France pushed past um, the, the Ukraine 7-1. And the milestone that he's hit is 100 games. That was his 100th cap for, for France. So he joins an elite club of uh, Marcel Desailly, Thierry Henry, Michel Platini. Um, so, yeah, quite um, yeah, quite a nice club. But he, with his double, he also equaled Michel Platini's um, goal record of 41. And then with his second goal, he surpassed it and moves to 42. And he's second in the France's all-time top leading goal scorer. I give you a dollar if you can tell me who's the number one. Oh, it's got to be Thierry Henry, doesn't it? It does. He, and he's in range too. 
Does that include the handball against Ireland, or is that stricken from it, the record for cheating? It includes that because um, it was such an important goal, and Ireland missed out in the World Cup for that. So well done, Thierry, for that goal. Um, the hand of frog, they call that goal. Um, but yeah, he's moved to forty-two, and Thierry Henry's on fifty-one. So he's in he's in range to catch him here, and he could um, very well go down as um, France's all-time leading goal scorer. So yeah, very nice. I like the way how I like the respect that he's given at the French level from Deschamps. Like he, he's not a regular starter at club, as you said. He's had his problems, and Chelsea had him on the bench collecting a fat check, even in amongst all their struggle. Uh, um, amongst their struggles. But like for Deschamps, even with all these other talented young strikers running around, he's still like close to first choice for France. And Deschamps sees him as a vital cog in that French team. Yeah, so the 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 club that he joins is um Libyan Touram, World Cup winner, um Zidane Zidane, World Cup winner, Thierry Henry, World Cup winner, um Hugo Lloris, Marcel Desailly, Patrick Vieira, and Deschamps himself. <laughs> so quite a nice little club that he joins there with his 100th cap. Yeah, no, he's he's a truly underrated player, I think, just because in this day and age of statistics, we've we've lost sight of what makes a great footballer sometimes, I think. So let's Depends let's... who you ask. Depends who you ask, really, because if you ask Karim Benzema, he's a fiat. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> Karen Benzema. Oh, if only he would stop being such a brat. Um, all right, so look, there was a couple of friendlies this morning. I know you love friendlies. So the first one I want to touch on is Armenia versus Albania. So that match has been postponed. Um, so that oh, is... what was that? What happened there? <laughs> so it's nothing too serious. Just a minor civil war has broken out. Um, not, that, not that that's funny. I believe Armenia are officially at war with Azerbaijan, but Trump got coronavirus, so no one really noticed. Um, yeah. And look, it's 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 tough for fixtures and scheduling football as it is. The last thing we need is civil war breaking out. Um, but look, there's a couple, couple of decent games there. So Portugal played Spain, um, bit of a bore draw, no goals. I think everyone's sort of rooting for Cristiano Ronaldo in this one to try and bang home another international goal. Is he on 99 now? Yes, I believe he's on 99. So he'll get his 100th and then he's he's chasing down um, Ali Dair after that. But it was a little bit surprising that this this ended uh, nil all because um, both teams played um, relatively strong strong teams and then previous meetings in this game um the one that comes to mind is the last one in the world cup the three all um draw where ronnie scored that amazing free kick and hat trick so yeah a bit of a surprise that it ended nil all um but i suppose both squads sort of feeling out um what type of type of players they um they want on the ground and who's got minutes in them and, and who was fit to, to play really um before they move into the more serious games um within within the Nations League. But, yeah, what do you think of this and what do you think of the starting lineups from each team? Uh, so so I've, I correct myself here because um, Ronnie filled his booth against Sweden and got two, so now he's at 101. Um, 101, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But, look, no, like a bit of a ball draw, nothing in it really for me. Um, I think both sides were trying a couple of different um, things out. So Francisco Trincao started for Portugal. Um, young winger, so he's got a lot of potential. It was good to see Renato Sanchez back in the side as well, um, next to Moutinho and Neves. Um, Pepe, putting along, good to see. He's the backbone of that Portuguese side. But look, wasn't overly exciting. Um, sort of a bit of a, like very much a friendly. But um, 
yeah, I suppose they're saving themselves for the more serious stuff. And I think Ronaldo only played because he's got one eye on Ali Dai, um on that yeah. 110. So, yeah, not much in it for me in this one. Um, I think the other the other big game that um, I think we touched on is Germany 3, Turkey 3. So the Mesut Ozil derby. Um, is that what they call it? Yeah. That's what I call it. So uh, the late, late show from the Turkish. But um, I think... All the oh, so five of the six goals were scored in the second half in this one. So, um, again, two teams who were sort of trying different things, but quite an exciting game. Um, what did you make of it? Yeah, interesting. I, I found um, Germany's formation um, a little bit unusual. So they've gone with sort of three at the back, but um, it, it can sort of spoon into into five when they don't have the ball. Um, Emre Chan played at the middle of that, so I think that implied that um, some of the defending um, would account for that and the scoreline would account for that. Um, but that also implies that Germany thought they were going to have a lot of the ball if they're playing Emre Chan at, at, in the um, centre of defence there. So hmm, a little bit unusual, I thought. Um, but, yeah, as you say, I think, both teams sort of rotate. I don't think this is Turkey's um, strongest starting eleven, and it's definitely not Germany's starting um, starting eleven as well. So, yeah, I think an entertaining game and a little bit puzzling. I think Yergi Lurgi Low was trying to, um, you know, try something different and see what um, formation he could sort of um, throw out, and and a little bit of an odd mix of, of players there as well. What do you think? Yeah, look, yeah, um, as I said. Um, entertaining stuff. Good for Kai Havertz to get a run out bit of confidence. I think he played quite well for the Germans. Um, one thing that did interest me was um, Antonio Rudiger got a start, um, which I think is fairly unusual considering how things are going for him at Chelsea. Like that he can make the German team, but he can't make the Chelsea starting eleven. Um, and Robin Koch from Leeds also started. But yeah, look, um, again, just a friendly putting along for the Germans. Bit of an upset in the other game. Mexico won, Netherlands nil. So Donny van der Beek gets a start for the Netherlands. But um, this one will surprise you. It's a Raul Jimenez penalty. Who would have thought as the Mexicans upset the Dutch? What did you think about this one? Yeah, well, I found this one a bit unusual, right? So all the other friendlies are between European <laughs> nations um, getting ready for the Nations League. And then all of a sudden I scrolled down. I was like, what? Germany? <laughs> Just playing a random... A random international friendly against the Netherlands. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit um, unusual. But um, unlike most of the um, the other teams, I think the Netherlands team looks um, almost uh, full strength. So, um, yeah, Depay played and, and got a full 90 um, into him. Um, Wijnaldum, um, he played but, but come off. Um, but I suppose I was just a bit surprised that um, they couldn't frank the balls, men couldn't get it done and, and get the win. But you just don't know what type of gear that they were they were running in. Um, they used all five substitutions, so that sort of implies that um, the seriousness which with which they were taking the game. Um, if you're using – oh, no, they used six substitutes, sorry, six substitutes. So, yeah, there you go. That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they started with their almost full strength, but then, yeah, obviously rotated through. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought a little bit unusual that um, Mexico are hanging out in this group of friendlies. Um, what did you think? Happy with the with the peno and were Mexico good for it? Yeah, I think so. I, I just say I think it was just a friendly, um, nothing too exciting in this one. I thought the Netherlands were very disappointing, um, and I only really care about this game um, at this point for one thing, and that is Donny Van Der Beek's performance. And um, he struggled 
um, and he's been struggling with the Netherlands for a while. His his movement is excellent, but um, he just doesn't get involved enough. And I think that's that's not what you want from someone who is a Dutch number ten. Um, so I think he might still be sort of lagging a bit, but hopefully it'll come good for him. Um, and I think the Netherlands just couldn't make it happen going forward, but hopefully that'll improve this week. So look, that's there's only one more friendly that really needs our attention. Um, Does and that is Does. France seven. Ukraine won. Geez, a little bit worrying for the Ukraine, just getting battered like that. And, and France did play a strong team, but um, did have some rotation in there too. Um, we've already touched on Giroud. He led the boys out for his 100th game and wore the armband, so that was nice. Um, got his double um, and overtook um, Platini. But, yeah, I think um, France played a, a semi, um, I suppose it's probably three-quarters away the to their full strength. So Pavard. Bavard played, um, Marcel played, um, and um, and obviously Giroud. So he, he's in their um, starting lineup, um, and and Bappe come off the bench, and um, so did Griezmann. So yeah, I, they got most of their Didier Deschamps men have, um, yeah, got most of their stars running through there. But a little bit alarming for Ukraine getting battered like that. I think. Yeah, it's not looking good coming in Nations League, but I suppose it is a friendly, and France are. France squad depth right now is just outrageous. Have a listen to this bench. So Loris keeper, another keeper, Kimpembe, Varane, Pogba, Griezmann, Mbappe, Komen, Kante, Hernandez, Ben Yedda. That's Tough scary. to all squeeze into a team, yeah, isn't it? But I think just Ukraine getting battered is is a little bit alarming with um with as I said sort of a three quartered strength um French team, but it doesn't get much easier for the Ukraine. So their group in the Nations League, they're in Group A four. They play Germany next, and in their group is also Spain and Switzerland. So yeah, I think um the Ukraine better um sharpen up before we roll into the real stuff. I think. All right, so look, let's get into it. So that's that's the friendly. There's a bit of a wrap there in the big ones, and now we move on to the Nations League. So we've got a, we've got a bit of a break from the Premier League this weekend. Um, not one that I was hoping for, to be honest. Um, and the Nation League's Nations League for me, still I still don't love it as much as I'd like to. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame, mate. But strap yourself in because Spain are playing Switzerland this weekend. So that should be a good. So two defensively minded sides. Who do you like in this one? Mm, yeah, so Spain and, and Switzerland. So we're we're in uh group A four for that. So group A being group A being the, the top league in the Nations League and they're just in, in group four and they're they're Spain are the seeded team in here. So yes, yeah, Spain um taking on Switzerland and Switzerland at bottom of the group um, after two games. And so, yeah, I think I'd see Spain sort of easing past um, Switzerland rather easily. I don't think this is going to cause the Spanish too much drama and they'll keep their spot at the top of that table. What do you think? Yeah, I I can't see it being a problem for Spain. Um, It's interesting for Spain as I think they're they're in a bit of a transition phase Um, and it would be interesting to see if we um, get to see Fatty running around again. Um, Apparently there's no no players missing for Spain or Switzerland, so they should both be at full strength. So I'm interested to see what side the Spanish roll out with if they go full noise um, and whether they can fit in Fatty, Rodrigo, Gerard Moreno all into that starting lineup. Um, and yeah, I think I just have too much firepower for the Swiss. So I think they'll stay top of the group and Switzerland struggles will continue. 
Very good. So let's move on to the other half of that group, and that is what we've already touched on already. Ukraine and Germany are the other two teams in Group A4. Um, so who do you like here? You've got you to favour the Germans over the Ukraine. Ukraine coming off that battering, and, um, and Germany um, will be too good, I would think. Yeah, so Jürgen Lowe's a weirdo, but it'll be interesting to see what um, what lineup he goes with as well because they just seem to have a absolute plethora of attacking options. So they've got the Chelsea boys in Havertz and Werner. Um, you can chuck Serge Nabry into the mix as well. So I I think Germany, if France can put seven on, it'll be interesting to see what Germany can do because um, if the Ukrainian confidence is still down, they could be in for a very long day. So... Um, yeah, I like the Germans. I like them to win by a good few, I think. Um, there you go. Is this one? This one's played in the Ukraine, isn't it? It's at the Olympsky. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got to like. You got to like the Germans here. I think they'll win by a few. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, the Germans will get it done. Um, I don't. And because Spain will win, um, they'll just end up second in this group. So you have Spain on top with um, Germany close behind them after three games. And three games is significant because that's halfway through the, the draw and that, at that point everyone would have played everyone. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, but let's mosey on up to Group A, so still in the top um, group of the Nations League. Group A, two. Two heavyweights going head-to-head here, isn't it? Talk, talk me through exactly how this is the top group. What is going on here? What England was seeded and, and Belgium um, went rather well in the World Cup as well. So, oh um, yeah, oh sorry, okay, yeah, no, England. Sorry, I thought you meant Ireland versus Wales, and I was like, shit. No, surely, no, surely, of course. No, look, this, this, I'm really excited about this one. This one is the one that actually catches the eye. Um, England have had a lot of troubles lately with Tammy Abraham's birthday and Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden philandering around. Gareth had to and come Harry out. Maguire's form. Yep. Hey, Harry Maguire. <laughs> Harry Maguire's form, lack of leadership. Be interesting to see if Harry starts or if Gareth, Gareth tries to protect him. And also wonder if there might be a bit of heat from Premier League managers too around the Nations League. Um, just being like, give our boys a bit of a rest. But look, yeah, this could be a really cracking game. I think we're going to see. Like because it's England, I think we might see a full strength side rolled out by the Belgians, um, and Belgium at full strength. Like I know Eden Hazard's had his problems with his weight lately, but like De Bruyne, Hazard, Hazard, Lukaku, Mertens, like it's a it is a pretty impressive lineup. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think this is probably the pick of the bunch. I think there's some obviously the other big teams playing, but. Um, it's normally one of the bigger teams against um, one of the unseeded teams. But these this fixture is two seeded teams. Uh, first, Belgium versus second, England. I think both teams will roll out their full-strength team um, and it'll be definitely the, the pick of the round. I'll probably like um, Belgium just because the uneasy and just the turbulent times that are happening through that England squad at the moment, I think the guys that some people have been rotated out of the squad due to discipline reasons, which we've already touched on. Um, and there's some form issues with um, sort of Pickford and Maguire just not not getting it together. So it'll be interesting to see who Gareth goes in um, with that number one shirt as well. But, yeah, I think Belgium in a tight one and I'm tipping this for match of the round. Um, what, who do you think Gareth will go with um, in goals? 
Pope had that power on the oh, weekend where he dropped it. But um, Pope had a bloody shocking game too against Newcastle. So and, but Henderson's not playing at me and you. So, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, yeah, I, and Henderson, I think there was, I saw a vote the other day and I think it was on BBC or Sky Sports, one of them, saying that Henderson should be first choice. I was like, oh, you can't really do that. He's not starting for his club. And you're England, for God's sake. Um, I, th- I think he's going to go with Henderson. Yeah. Pickford yeah, okay. sucks. Um, the other thing I think that is notable here is Raheem Sterling's out with a hamstring injury. So I think we might see um, the Evertonian Messi, Dominic, Cal- Dominic Calvert-Lewin start. Oh, I think I think Calvert-Lewin um, starts, but I think one of the problems there is um, what do you do with Ari then? Kane, not Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> you can try Maguire up top. Like, you may as well. It can't be as bad as he was at centre-back. Um, I don't know. Like, you could try and play both. Everton play with two up top. So Yeah, you, you could. And, and Harry can do that because um, Calvin Lewin, um, as we spoke about, is, yeah, sort of a tr- more traditional um, number nine and sort of hangs around the box and has those one-touch finishes, whereas Harry likes to – um, occupied defender and then sort of drop into midfield and, and play, um, which he did very successfully during the week for for Sonny to pick up his goals. So, yeah, I think that they could do it. It's it's whether they've had enough time together to um, work that out with Gareth and and the rest of the squad to work out because obviously you play two up front that changes the dynamic in the midfield as well. And so, I, I think they they might change it. They normally play with a three up front and and Sterling's on one side and Sancho's on the other. If Sterling's out with a hamstring injury and Sancho he's got left at home. That does ask that question, what else are you going to do? So it will be interesting. I'm kind of hoping they do two up front, but it depends how well it can gel in the short amount of time that Gareth has them all together. And what about Declan Rice? Do you think De- this is Declan Rice's chance to keep shining? Or Yeah, I think Well, he's probably got more chance if they play with um, three in the mid- in midfield. I think if they're playing with two in midfield, um, his chances sort of decrease slightly of, of a start. So, yeah, I think that his chances of playing sort of depend on whether they play two or three up top for um, for England. But I think he's in form. He played rather, rather well on, on the weekend, seems um, settled. So, yeah, it could be a game for him. All right. So France are flying, right? And, and you fancy him. And they face, off against, they face off against a Cristiano Ronaldo-led Portugal with Ronaldo nine goals off Ali Dai, as we mentioned. What, what, like honestly, I think this is the two best sides in the world playing each other. Really, I, I think Portugal's, Portugal's midfield and um, front three, I think, is as good as France's, if not better. Okay, discuss. <laughs> Discuss. Yeah, well, there's no doubt they're in the in the conversation. Um, both of those teams. I think it's a big call to say, um, yeah, that those two are the two teams. But either way, it's a mouth watering fixture. So we're into um, Group A still, as you can tell by the quality of the teams. Um, and this is Group Three um, in in Group in Group A. So yeah, and they're both top, aren't they? So after two games, both teams with six points. So um, as they say, someone's O has to go. Um, who will it be? But yeah, I I think this one is just one that can just go either way. Um, is is it in uh, the Stade de France or is it over? Yeah, it's at Stade de France, so it's in France. So based on that, I think I'm going to tip France to get it done. But I'm going to get it go for France three. Portugal two and King Ronnie to get um, get both of the goals for Portugal. But, yeah, this, this will be a great fixture and it's on at a great time for Australian viewers. So um, you can get yourself up at Monday at 
get yourself this football fix and then get yourself off to work. So, yeah, a great time and a great fixture to start your week with. Yeah, so what do you think is going to happen here? If you're in Melbourne, you can actually get up and go to the same room that you're going to spend the rest of the day in. So it's a really great. Um, I Honestly, I'm so excited for this one. Nations League, as I said, hasn't sold me. But um, the, the possible front three of Portugal could be, yeah, Felix, Cristiano Ronaldo, and potentially Bruno Fernandes in there as well. Like, Jeez. what more could you ask for? And that's, got, like, that's like Spurs-esque, that quality, isn't it? <laughs> if you're playing FIFA, that's like your front three. Um, and then you've got Matinho, Neves, Renato Sanchez in behind. Like, honestly, it's just – there's a wealth of talent in there. Just so well balanced, plus the big man leading the show. Um yeah, I think this just should be a cracking game. It would be interesting to see how Pepe handles Mbappe's pace. I have a thought in mind as to how he might handle that. Um, and it will just be interesting to see how close Mbappe is willing to get to Pepe. Um, but, yeah, look, absolute feast of football. Can't wait to see. I, I like the Portuguese in this one. Um, I just yeah, okay. I just think Ronaldo is going to lead them on. And, look, Nations League, another title under the belt for the big man. I, I think they're going to get the job done. I don't know. I, I kind of take you. I give you a Ronaldo, and I raise you a Mbappe. Never. Um, I'll 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 give you a Fernandez, and I'll raise you a Griezmann. And sorry, with the last one, you had Felix, did you? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you a Felix, and I'll raise you. Maybe I'll go with Giroud, <laughs> second all-time leading goal scorer. So there you go. That yeah. Some decent players in here. And then obviously you can dive into France's midfield uh, with them, Nobele, Pogba, Kante, um, and I don't know if in there, but I don't think he's getting there. Uh, no. I think it'll be um, Kamavinga, I think, might get a start. Um, but, yeah, no, look, they do they do have an outrageous amount of depth, France. But, yeah, no, cracking game, cracking time slot. Um, it should be a good one. Very good. So next big one here, Poland versus Italy. Why are Poland going to lose this game and by how much? Well, Italy done who did Italy Italy won six nil um in their friendly, didn't they? Yeah. Um who did they beat? You track that down for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um they they beat Moldova. So Moldova are a proud footballing nation, um, but Italy had a little bit too much for them. So Italy's last Nations League game um, versus the Netherlands was they feel a fairly strong um, lineup obviously with that Juve back to Bonucci and Chiellini. Jorginho gets a start, and then Immobile, Insigne, Zaniolo um, up top, fairly handy. Immobile is good for a couple of goals. I reckon he might fill his boots against the poles. What do you reckon? Mm. Yeah, I'd probably I'm going to tip Italy to to do this. They're top of um, of Group A one, so I'd probably tip them to to stay there, but. Um, I think them and the Netherlands are going to finish on top of this group and then it's a battle for third between Poland and, and Bosnia f- from here. But, yeah, I think um, Italy just have too too much of them. I think they'll be a little bit too um, street smart for for Poland. It, it is in Poland, so I think that, that works in their favour, but only to an extent. Obviously, there's still no fans um, in, in that space. So, yeah, I think that that's probably Poland's um, best chance um, given that they are at home. But some of that... Home ground advantage gets lost, obviously, with no no fans. But, yeah, I think Italy would be too street smart for them and, and get it done. That's my tip. Yeah, okay. Well, no, I do like – I think Italy are starting to look more balanced. I think they've been fairly quiet for a while. Um, 
like as far as being the, the premier international sides, have sort of been dropping down lower that tier, but they seem to have a bit more balance um, under Mancini. One name I will throw at you, just as a bit of a a bit of a uh, wild card, Robert Lewandowski. Can he do enough to keep the polls ticking over up front with Milik? Well, he he can, but I think the 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 difference is the the depth in um, Italy's squad versus Poland. Like, obviously, you got some top line um, talent with um, Lewandowski, um, but and he, he'll be by far one of the um, best players or the best player on, on the pitch. But I think when you I th- my problem with Italy at the moment, where I'm not putting them in that top bracket of teams, is they just don't have that that striker that they usually have. Like if you go through Italian teams um, over the journey, you've had um, Inzaghi and, and and Del Piero running through um, through their teams, but like and and then Balotelli, he had a great run um, in a World Cup and a um, European title. But I mean, who's going to lead the line and, and score those goals for? For um, Italy, I just can't see yeah who their main marksman is, and I'm not even sure that they're settled on who that is as well. So Immobile finished top scorer in the Serie A last year, so I think he'd he'd be um he'd be right up there. I think he's good for the goals. I think he's for me he's the second best genuine number nine in Europe right now, and I think it's he's a bit underrated because how um, how, how do you say that? Surely Dominic Calvin Lewin is in front of him right <laughs> now. And Lewandowski, obviously. Lewandowski's number one, and then Immobile, I think, would be number two. So, no. um, well, Immobile outscored him last year. So I think I think he puts a good. I think he's a player who it just never quite happened for at a big club, but um, he would be in the upper echelon of strikers in my eyes. So I think I think he's got the goals for him, and I think I think he'll absolutely fill his boots against Poland. And I really, think- I'm thinking don't don't. Um- don't tune into this game expecting goals will be my tip. Yeah, well, the sad thing for our Australian viewers or listeners is this actually clashes with France versus Portugal. So you can either record it and call in sick yeah. for work or um, not that I'm saying that's okay, but you do get $400 to get coronavirus tested. Um, but look, yeah, it's it's not at the same time. If you want to record and watch it back-to-back, I think it'd be worthwhile because I think it could be very interesting. But the last picture I want to touch on is the big one. Ireland yeah. versus Wales. So somehow, oh, Derby. Yeah. So, um, so Ireland versus the West of England. Who do you like in this one? No, Gareth Bale. No, Gareth Bale saved himself for Spurs. Um, I like Wales for this one. So um, we've dropped out of the um, for those playing along at home. We dropped out of um, Group A and we're down into Group B or League B, and we're in Group Four here. So Wales on top with um, two games, two wins, um, and and Ireland um, sitting a lonely third. But yeah, I, I think um, Wales will have um, just too much quality for them. Um, I think even though the game is in Ireland, um, I think, yeah, the, the Welsh will have uh, too much class for them. And I think they'll keep their spot at the top. Even though they don't have um, Bale, I think that they've just got enough quality around their, their squad um, to get it done. What are, what are you thinking on here? And and don't give me some rubbish um, about, oh, you know, my head says this, my heart says this, mate. Oh, no, that's, that is nonsense. Look, if they had a full Aviva Stadium in Dublin... Ireland versus Wales, Ireland can get the job done. Outside of that, they're shite and they'll get beat. They've got um, two right backs, um, Seamus Coleman and I don't think Mahi Doherty's in the squad, but um, Johnny Egan will start centre-back. But outside of that, it's 
pretty dour for the Irish. Um, David McGoldrick, the non-goal scoring striker, will probably start up top. Uh, there might be some minutes for Troy Parrott and Aaron Connolly, um, but outside of that, it's not looking good for the Irish and the yeah. Welsh. Troy, Troy Parrott's been doing doing well. What about uh, Shane Long? Will he get any game time? No, I don't think he will. So bad news for Shane Long. No, um, I think he might be retired from international football. So he's in the squad, mate. Is he? Jeez, mm-hmm. he might. I don't think he'd be your first choice, but like it's at least you know Shane Long's going to go out and give you everything. Um, but yeah, no, look, I think Wales are going to be too strong here, which is weird. So, so why, it's weird to see weird to say Wales will be too strong. Um, so while we're touching on Ireland um, and their captain Seamus Coleman, um, did you see his reaction <laughs> to all the other Everton boys who were dancing after the goal? On the weekend. I did. I enjoyed that from Seamus. Seamus is a man mm. of a similar age to me, and I would look at people similarly if they were doing that. It's like the, the um, 2000s generation versus the TikTok generation, isn't it? The TikTok yeah. generation. And Yuri Mina, who's 29 and should know better. But it, made, it did make me laugh because he's sort of just hovering over the shoulder <laughs> like an angry dad. Oh, um, so embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. If he had a hose, I reckon he would have squirted him and told him to get off his porch or something. But uh, he's just <laughs> so uncomfortable. All right. So, look, I might just quickly touch on the transfer chat. So, we had deadline day on Monday. That was mental. Who do you think was the winner of the deadline day? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know about winner of deadline day, but I, I probably – I'm brave enough to say that I think um, – Aston Villa improved their squad and held on to some key assets um, and improved their squad proportionately more than most or all of the other Premier League teams. I just think with the addition of Ross and um, and keeping the their skipper um, and the guy with the massive calves in their in their team um, is is just the the pick of the bunch really. So I think Villa probably won. The transfer window. I'm not sure who, if I, or if I have an opinion on who won transfer deadline day. What do you think? Yeah, so I think I uh, I wax lyrical on Tuesday about who I thought won. I think Arsenal won deadline day. Um, I just think the signing of Thomas Partey was just such Party, a good yeah. Sign. yeah, just exactly what they needed. I think he's going to be like such a good signing for them. If just right in the middle of the park, right in the engine room, just getting it done, turning balls over to get to their best players like Pepe and Aubameyang, Lacazette early. Um, I think I think they won deadline day, and mm. it just, it's very good. Apparently, Stan Kroenke actually paid for this one himself too. Yeah, the other unusual thing I heard about this was that um, Arsenal actually went to the um, went to La Liga and said, "Hey, we are going to trigger his release clause." Triggered it, his release clause. Agreed personal terms with the player. I know you love that part. Yeah, I do. And then, then the league, following that, the league went and informed Atletico Madrid that the release clause had been triggered. Um, and that he'd agreed personal terms. So uh, in that deal, um, Atletico were the last to know, and apparently Simeone absolutely hit the roof. So really? I find that whole yeah, find that whole transaction really unusual. But yeah, um, that's how it went down. Uh, Arsenal reached out to the league um, and triggered the clause, and then um, got in contact with the player, agreed terms, and then from there the league informed Simeone that it had been triggered, and he was out of there. There you go. So there's one other person who had a big win on deadline day, um, and that was George Mendes. Mm. So did you see his transfer dealings? 
Yeah, the super agent indeed. So he has had a great old time on deadline day. So I think he is the he's Matty Doherty's agent. He's also Jose Mourinho's agent. Um, so he got them both deals, and then I think he's Silver's. So Wolves sold Jota, who is a Mendes client, to Liverpool, and then brought in the two young Portuguese players who are also Mendes clients. All on all this in the transfer window. So apparently he pocketed like several million in agents fees. Yeah, so he's selling to himself. Yeah, well his stable is so big that once once he moves a piece out of one club, um, obviously he knows the ins and outs of the deal. So he knows the club has sort of X to spend on a player. Um, and then he goes and says, well, I've actually got a player for right for you to fix that spot. I've actually got a bunch of left wingers here. And then goes and gets one of the other players for another club and then fills them in. And he's just, all he's doing is moving people around um, up and down teams and through leagues and collecting checks each time he moves one of them. So, yeah. yeah. And he's Rodriguez's as agent too and apparently he made an absolute killing um, out of that deal for the free transfer in the end. Yeah. So I, I think if, if you're a football club, um, you you curse um, these agents and, and the amount of fees that you have to pay with them. I think there's something that sort of creeped into the game in the last um, few years. Uh, like to an extent, um, the agent fees were always there. But, yeah, um, now these days it sort of looks like you have to go through one of these agents um, more so than, than any other step. So if you're a club, a lot of the clubs don't like these big agents, but, yeah, I think at the same time, a lot of the clubs are benefiting from um, just having a network and it almost almost um, relieves the need for all these scouts where you can just go, okay, we sold this guy, um, Mendes, who else you got for us? And, and he can bring someone in. So Yeah, mm. he's, he's a little good off. All right, so, there's no, so Colo's been given the week off because Nations League and I don't think he plays in that space. So who's, your lock, of the, who's your lock of the week this week for the Nations League? Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? But um, let me just just flick over here. Um, So my lock is Germany to beat Ukraine. Get amongst that. Um, And if you want to dive into a multi, do the following. So I have got Norway to beat Romania. Lock it in. Croatia to beat Sweden, lock it in. And Wales to beat Ireland, lock it in. There's your multi. Oh, wow. I'd stay away from that Wales one. Who knows? Who knows what could happen in Aviva? And they've just introduced lockdown measures into Ireland too. So those people, it's going to be a weird old place. All right. So um, you want to share our contact details and then we will let everyone get to the international round. All right. So our email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook football played on paper, Insta at football played on paper, and Twitter is at football on pods. So when you listen to us, give us a five-star rating. Um, as you know, we're stuck at home. Times are tough. Every little bit helps. We're all in this together. Um <laughs> So look, if you could, if you could give us a five star rating, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yes, um, we are opening the competition next week, um, so stay tuned for that big competition happening with our five star rating. Um, but apart from that, 
Best people I've ever seen. Biggest one ever. Um, Huge. <laughs> doctors have said it's the best one they've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. You get a little glimpse of the, the who you support there. Um, but enjoy the international week. Stay safe out there. And we'll talk to you next week. 